Hey everyone, it's Alex, and we are back with the final installment from our four-part mini-series called Matrescence, which is all about the mind and physical changes that take place within a woman as she moves into her fourth trimester called Matrescence. So today's episode is all about support systems. I found this episode hugely helpful. I am still a new mom in my mind. My kids are four and two. And this episode was especially poignant, even for me, and I'm a little past my immediate postpartum days. I hope you enjoy the show. So we've been talking a lot about mental health in the fourth trimester. And now I want to talk about like support system. And earlier in the previous episodes, you were talking about like it takes a village to raise a child. Where does that term come from, takes a village? You know, I think it's because... Up until now, and really up until think the life in the United States, most cultures raise their children as extended families or in communities. You know, I looked it up. I think it comes from an African proverb, but really about how a community raises a child. It's not just an individual parent. And I think there's so much of that that we really need to think about in, in sort of alleviating the pressures that we put on parents. So even the healthiest relationships get put to the test oh, yes, during like do. postpartum, yeah. especially during postpartum, Absolutely. even if you have like such an amazing relationship and you're communicative. But yes. I guess it's like, I don't know, postpartum depression, lack of sleep, anxiety. I think it's just transition. It's yeah. adjustment. It's change. Right. And I think obviously we've talked about the relationship with a romantic partner and how much that can change. Right. From the intimacy that you had, right, even your sex life to how you partner when taking care of a, a young child. I think it also has to do with how your dynamic changes with your parents, with your siblings, right? A lot about parenting, it reactivates your childhood memories and your experience of being a child. And so it's not a surprise if people start to get maybe a little bit irritable with their parents or, you know, but I think what's important is trying to uncover what's going on Mm -hmm. underneath. And sometimes it can mean just maybe some unresolved issues from your own childhood. How do you tackle that? (laughs) I mean, I love therapy, you know, I love therapy. So I think that's a great way, but actually just starting to talk about it. Even if it's your, if, with your partner about your parent, like, hey, I'm feeling this thing about my mom. Is that something you're experiencing, right? Trying to figure out if that's an experience they might be having with their parents or if anything is coming up for them around their childhood. And often trauma, um, especially one that hasn't been addressed or acknowledged, can come up in the transition to parenthood. Also, just in my own culture in Latin America, women are meant to rest for 40 days after giving birth. This means that they just focus on taking care of themselves and breastfeeding and and extended family, friends, do all of the other work. Mm -hmm. Like this is a cultural norm. Mm -hmm. So imagine what we're thrown into, especially in the U.S., if you have a hospital birth. I know you had a home birth, but at the hospital, you just sort of have your baby, maybe had a traumatic surgery or had a very long delivery. And the nurse says, here you go. Here's your baby. Take care of it. Right. In, In the pandemic. Some women were alone and didn't have any support. And so I think even from the outset, we're sort of set up to have so little support around us. And I think it's important to think about, yes, maybe it's not feasible. So many people here move away from small towns to live in big cities where their families aren't there. But is there a way to form some kind of community? Yeah. What's the best way to like form that community, that support system? I think, you know, it's it's through friendships. It's the power of friendship. It's... 
also thinking before you're pregnant and you have friends that are pregnant, how can you sort of do acts of service that will then sort of be echoed when you're pregnant Mm -hmm. or when you give birth? I also think, you know, if it's not possible to have people in person, you know, there's ways to connect with family emotionally online through FaceTime, but also online communities that can be very positive and give a lot of support. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, friends, friendships, like nurturing those relationships to me is so important. I recently just did like like a trip to Italy with a group of girlfriends and their partners Mm -hmm. and we brought like our kids. Mm -hmm. So that was like really special to like take time to like, you know, nurture your friendships. That's huge. And I think a lot of people's friendships really suffered during the pandemic. Um, And I think we've become more isolated. But what we actually know about friendships and I want to say this, especially mutual, right, respectful, mm-hmm. those good friendships, because there's certainly some toxic friendships that that probably aren't a good idea to remain in. But those really mutual relationships where you feel support, right, they can be so beneficial in so many ways to your mental health, to your self-esteem. Um, there's even some studies that, that say that people who have more friends and, again, intimate friendships mm-hmm. maybe have decreased chronic health issues and actually might live longer. So the benefits are clear, right? If I could write a prescription for friendship, I would. Um, So I think just like we take time for exercise or for walking outside or being part of nature, which are also so good for our mental health, friendship ranks high up there, kind of like sleep. I feel like human beings were just not meant to be alone. No, and I think we saw that in the pandemic when we did, right? We had spikes in, in mental health issues. Yeah, that's actually something so like important to note, like that we're not meant to like raise him alone. It seems like such a lonely thing to do. Yeah, like I it feel does. Alone. But like a lot of people in in the U.S., I feel like have that experience. Yeah, and so I think I do think even if extended family isn't around, I think we can sort of try to to create that ourselves mm-hmm. with community and friendship. But it takes work. Yeah. So, and actually, you know, we just talked about all the benefits of friendship and community, but, but with parenting alone and in isolation, what you said was a lonely experience can actually lead to parental burnout. And this is a term that we've first used mostly around the workforce, right? What workers are feeling when they just like are feeling cynical, not interested in their work, right? A little bit depressed, but we actually know, and we've had some studies that find that it actually happens in parenting, And parental burnout is really when you start to feel quite irritable, disconnected from your children, um, kind of like not wanting to engage. Um, And what we think is that it's just because you're overwhelmed by doing it alone. Mm -hmm. And we think, um, you know, there's a recent research study up to 20% of parents might be experiencing this in the U.S. Um, And at really the parental burnout, I think the antithesis or the way to kind of treat it is with support, Mm -hmm. right? Because you cannot do it alone. And when you do, right? You start getting symptoms. And and again, it's not totally depression, but it is a huge risk factor for depression and anxiety and not feeling engaged or present, which is ultimately, I think, what all of us want to do as parents is be present. And what I see a lot in the people that have parental burnout is just this idea that they have to do it all, like the superwoman complex. Is that something you've experienced? (laughs) Yeah. I think both Jacopo and I, in the beginning, we thought we had to do everything ourselves as first-time parents and that we shouldn't be asking for help like this is a joyful time like 
we're parents, like first time parents, we want to do everything ourselves. Like, no, we don't need help. We're going to like do everything ourselves. Yeah. What, oh what would it mean if you did legit, get help? Legit burnout. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what, what you sort of thought of help or getting help? What it would it mean? It felt like very privileged. The idea of having help seemed very privileged. And also, I, I don't know, like, I think because Jacopo, he grew up with um, his mom was a stay-at-home mom. She raised three kids herself with no help either. And it was, I mean, it was a different like a time. passage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something about like women uh, and me too. Uh, I noticed it in myself too, like trying to be like a martyr. Like yeah. I am sacrificing oh, myself yeah. Yeah. for my child. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it was yeah. that like me being stubborn, but I had to learn it the hard way. Like that no, you can't do this alone. And yeah. having help actually freed up so much like mental space and like it brought so much more joy and flexibility. So I could, I'm not always tired when I'm like hanging out with Teo. Yes. Yeah. And I think opportunity for connection that feels really deep and valuable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's even something that, you know, people that work full time are concerned. Well, I, I'll never get to see my kids or what's it going to be like? But actually, I find that people that do are able to, the time that, that, even if it's a couple of hours that they spend with their children, it's incredibly valuable because it's pure connection, right? It's not sort of being bored or, or scrolling on your phone while you're engaging with them. It's like actually being connected. So if you're able to do that, I think, you know, that it's, it's about quality and not quantity of time necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely learned that the hard way. <laughs> Dr. Sarah Org, thank you so much for your time. And honestly, I really enjoyed our conversation. I did as well. Where can everybody find you? At Sarah Oric MD on Instagram and sarahoricmd.com. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to Parallel Lives. Stay tuned for new episodes and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you like today's show, we'd be forever grateful if you take a moment to rate and review us. You can find us online at parallelhealth.com. That's P-E-R-E-L-E-L health.com or on Instagram at Parallel Health. I'm Alex Taylor and you've been listening to Parallel Lives. Thanks so much for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you by Parallel. We are a prenatal vitamin and supplement solution that adapts to your changing body's needs throughout your motherhood journey. All of our products offer the highest quality bioavailable ingredients at doctor-recommended doses tailored to each unique phase. Preconception, first trimester, second trimester, third trimester, and postpartum and beyond because your prenatal vitamin shouldn't be one size fits all. Sign up for our newsletter at parallelhealth.com to learn more.